Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 5, as the New York Rangers fall to the Calgary Flames, as the, the Flames just kind of roll through the metropolitan area and uh, walk away with uh, four points in the last 48 hours. So if you're a Flames fan, all is good. If you're a New York Rangers fan, you're left with a bitter taste this entire week because they don't play again until Friday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, Andy, with this loss and then a long week, I have to ask you, how are you doing? Yeah, they, you know, I mean, Daryl Sutter coaches a very uh, tight ship, as Ranger fans painfully know all too well. And it's, yeah, I mean... Uh, Definitely coming back from the road trip, which they swept for the Rangers. They were definitely feeling good about themselves, I'm sure. But this was definitely a bit of a reality check, considering they've kind of they haven't put together a full 60 minute effort of hockey, and the Flames are playing, you know, basically playing playoff hockey right now, tight checking, heavy four check, uh, and just yeah, just not giving much time and space. And so they, they look ready to go for, for the, you know, the postseason now. And the Rangers obviously did not and got outworked and just couldn't get any offense going and made their hope plays. And they, yeah, they looked bad and they looked uh, lethargic coming back from their road trip. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in light of that, it's okay. It's early. And the Rangers, like I said, they've been picking up points, but um, definitely good for a reckoning like this to kind of happen now. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the comments made post game and, you know, and after that game, interesting comments, I'll say from uh, Gerard Gallant. Yeah. It's one of those things where you and I kind of spoke going into this game against the Calgary flames that one of the most important things for this team to do is get up to a quick start, uh, maybe grab the lead and the total opposite happened. I just felt like, the Flames came in and had their way with us. And, you know, we were kind of left in a position where we have to once again come back from behind third period. There's a lot of questions to be asked about the, the entire team, uh, first line to fourth line. I mean, I, I'm not pressing the panic button, but, you know, not to say that, again, this is not like the home opener, but another, like, it's the second home game 
you just came back from, you know, a successful road trip in terms of winning hockey games and you lay an egg in front of your hometown, uh, you know, fans. So for me, it's just like a head scratcher, right? You, you, you thought these days were behind us and here we are talking about the same old problems that we kind of saw last year with the slow starts, uh, untimely penalties, uh, falling behind, trying to claw your way back. And, you know, that works against, you know, the bottom tier teams in this league. But Calgary Flames team that, again, is full of seasoned veteran players that know how to play on the road, know how to, you know, close games and and play with a lead. You saw what happened. I had this, you know, similar feeling of the Washington Capitals game uh, watching this. So, uh, yeah, it, it was tough and painful for me to watch. But, you know, here we are, Andy. And, you know, I'm a little worried that this is going to be the theme uh, of the first half of the season if this is not correct. Yeah, and like I said, it makes some uh, Joel Quint. Excuse me. It makes Star- uh, Gerard Gallant's yeah. comments uh, all that more interesting when he mentions his star players. In that he mentions he remembers Co- uh, coming in to play the Rangers and saying to himself, "That's a good team. That's a good team on paper." But at a certain certain point, they have to play. Uh, I think he, the term he used was you know, gritty hockey, man hockey, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's kind of been the knock on this group, right? That between Panarin and Zabanajad and Strom and hell, even Chris Kreider at times, and just some of their players that they've always been this pond hockey, east, west, fancy plays, make beautiful highlight reel plays during the regular season. And then you know, come any postseason, the little limited post or, or or playoff like games they've had that have been tight checking, they absolutely crumble. And they've been trying to adopt a new identity early on, but apparently, you know, Turk I think is seeing what the rest of Rangers fans are seeing is that there's not a hundred percent buy-in, or that it to them it seems to mean throwing a body check or being you know getting a scrum here and there, but. Again, it's a physical. It's more of a physical commitment to just no matter pressuring the puck carrier, carrier no matter what, with knowledge that you it might end up on your teammate's stick and you might not get to make a play. They might, you know, you have to sacrifice for them and vice versa to be heavy on the puck. And it maybe you have a plan in your head of something you want to do, but knowing that there's what you want to do and probably what's the safest thing and the right thing to do, and not doing that. And that's what Turk is saying. And that's definitely a fair assessment, uh, especially because right now, the, you know, the Rangers top top six isn't doing much of anything. You know, Zabanajad, Panarin, maybe Chris, outside of Chris Kreider, they're not doing anything. You know, so and uh, yeah, like I said, it was really interesting to hear that, and I think it kind of cor- corroborates how Rangers fans are feeling right now because they're trying to. It's going to take them time to adopt a new way of playing, so that and or a new a, a new system, a new habit. So I get that, but. At the same time, he's absolutely right. Like tight, there's very little science to tight checking hockey. It's just about committing. It's buying in and doing it. And uh, you know, the Islanders they buy in and they do it. They have a bunch of guys that are probably sub replacement level on any other team in the league, but they 
they they're given new life because their job is very simple and they commit with 100% commitment and the rangers aren't doing that right now and it's i don't think it's a secret that the rangers best players right now are the ones who like to play hard and do that i think that's why jacob troop is having a little bit of a renaissance as a ranger right now and uh same thing with sammy blay who plays a heavy game and plays engaged and brings the puck to the middle and their bottom six is having is the only lines that look effective and that's not i don't think that's uh yeah that's not a coincidence yeah, and you know, you look how the first two lines are built. You know, where is that power forward? You know, it, you expect Chris Kreider to kind of be in the mix, banging bodies, and at times he does that. But uh, the biggest gripe with Chris Kreider is that he's not consistent enough uh, to do that, which is very frustrating as a Ranger fan to watch this team kind of you know fall short in a game like this, where you're like, why? why do we see more effort out of our bottom six than we do our top six? And, you know, there are, there are certain things though, that I think the top six forwards can do without having them, you know, just like fully commit to taking the body and taking themselves out of the play. You know, a a lot of the things is, is like driving, just driving the net with your stick on the ice, you know, and, and fighting off that defender. And, you know, they just got to keep the game a little bit more simple. We play such a perimeter passing, uh, you know, and, and trying to make that perfect pass, you know, across the slot, and it's not always there. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, we throw the puck across the crease or, or even from the corner, just kind of out to the middle to nobody. You know, I know you don't want to constantly take a beating along the boards, but sometimes you just kind of have to eat the puck and win a battle and win a scrum and kind of pop out and make a play that way. It's not always going to be, well, I'll gra- gather the puck, I'll shoot it around the boards, someone's going to grab it, like make a play, and we're going to have a tic-tac-toe, you know, one-timer shot. You know, that's great and all, and there are certain players in this league that, you know, are capable of doing that night in and night out, but the New York Rangers aren't. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's really important that Chris Kreider really really takes on a role where he's going to be physical if he's going to be playing with you know Zibanejad because I worry that Zibanejad's going to be a little little bit hesitant to buy in he's going to be one of those guys where he feels like you know if he's not putting up a ton of points then he's not effective when in reality we kind of just need those guys to be energy guys right and you know I know Panarin's game's a little bit more cerebral along with Strom but those guys are just going to have to you know in a, in a hockey word, muck it up and just kind of play that game where y- you got to create chances by kind of just grinding out in the corners and winning one-on-one battles and, you know, wear the other team down. And, you know, I know the Rangers, you know, were down Kako for the road trip and, you know, Strom, this is his first game back and he might be a little bit out of, out of the loop, but, you know, overall, Andy, like, there's no excuses. Like this is, this is it. Like you, you pushed David Quinn out. Right. And now you have, you know, an actual NHL coach in Gallant who's putting in a style that me personally, I'm more comfortable playing this because I know this reflects what a playoff game looks like more than what the Rangers were doing with David Quinn. Even if the Rangers made the playoffs with Quinn, I think we would have been ousted in the first round year after year because that's not how the playoff game is told. The playoff games are a grind. You have to win, you know, win the pucks along the boards and the clutching and grabbing is back. 
it's just it's a different game and you know i know it's growing pains andy but you know it's a little bit frustrating um you know what do you think you know mainly panarin and zibanejad where do you think they go from here now yeah listen i i do think that Panarin, at the very least, I liked his game. I thought that was probably his better, one of his better games. He's finally looked, he looked on it. You know what I mean? So he was creating. And I thought Strom was actually wasn't bad that game. But this is more just there over the seasons they've had thus far, you know, because until this point, there hasn't been much there. Uh, it's, it's okay to have one Patrick Kane, right? A guy who's just kind of all offense and kind of sneaky and fades in and out in the wallpaper. You can't have a whole team of guys like that. And I think it's Panarin is the guy who should be doing that. Zabanajad, I think at this point, he needs to know he needs to be uh, quicker on pucks, heavier on pucks, more straightforward. Uh, that goes for else on the team. You know, uh, Turk, he, he didn't want to single out any one guy, but, you know, Lafreniere was one guy he said he didn't like his game. And yeah, he had that bad turnover. He tries to. He wasn't really engaged that much. He was wait too much standing around waiting for stuff to happen. Not enough, you know, getting moving his feet, which has been his problem. You know, he's not off to the best. At least he's like he's off to an, a, a pedestrian start, but not a first overall pick type of start for this season. Whereas Kako, we saw actually saw strides from him, uh, seemingly. But um, yeah, I mean, he you know to his credit, he says, "I know I wasn't good, and I have to be better, and I t- I own that, and I'll, I'll be better on Friday." So, which is good. That's what you want to see. I, and I don't. I think he will be. I think he'll be better. But yeah, for the rest of those guys, they're going to have to like. I think you said it perfectly. Like, there's no more excuses. Quinn is gone. Like Strom said, you know, at a certain. I think when Quinn was fired, he said, you know, something uh, a little ominous slash you know, almost like subtweeting Quinn after he was gone saying, you know, at a certain point you have to trust the players. Well, you know, like you bring in a guy with a winning pedigree who knows what it takes to win. And he's saying your way of doing things is not going to help us win. You need to change up what you're doing. You know, it has, it's just, it's not. And I think that's, I think the most frustrating thing definitely is that you see that the more you pressure, the more grade A chances you will get. It will open up the ice for the third man or the trailer. Or if it's on your stick, it will pull people, make cause chaos and give you more space to be fancy. It's not just about, you know, you know, dump getting all their pucks behind them all the time, but it's just having that mentality. It's just pressuring the puck carrier at all times if you get it behind them. You don't have to grind it down every shift, but you have to do it a lot to get them on their heels. And then you'll load the hold, you'll know they don't have it. And then they're kind of like the Rangers and they're constantly running around their own end. And how many times did, did you know, barring the, the Nemeth literally outlet pass to a guy right in front of the net, which was horrible. Oh my God, it was a bad play. It was like a Mark Stahl, Girardi flashback. Um, but you know, how many times did they turn over pucks instead of just chipping it up the boards, right? Try to make a, a blind pass on their backhand to the middle of the ice. And there was just a, a, a Flames player literally facing Igor with no one there. <laughs> like it happened like three times, you know, and they finally got burned for it because they're just, it's instead of they want to be cute or they, they want to, they're so much like they're afraid. Oh, well, if I chip it, like we might not get it. Well, no, but it's a hundred percent chance that on this, moment you're not gonna get scored on you're not gonna turn over in your own zone and they turned over in their own zone how many times that game it was embarrassing so you know yeah. so and, and you know there there's little things that you can do along the boards like you know especially on like outlet passes 
sometimes you know eating the puck along the boards is like the best play you can make right and or or even kick it back to the defenseman and you know in the neutral zone you know unless you're you know uh, unless you're on the defensive side of that red line you know and nothing really needs to be squirting out you know unless you're 100 percent certain because there are going to be turnovers coming the other way like these, this is the nhl these guys are too good they're you know geniuses at reading plays and they've been there done that a million times you know you know the turnover game in the nhl is what you know wins and loses uh, you know wins and loses you game i guess that yeah i guess that worked uh bad grammar but you know you know you watch this team and it's like you know the hopefulness in me is that the new york rangers can fix a lot of these issues and you know i i feel like it's not effort because i do feel like they're working hard i just feel like sometimes they're just making the wrong decision and that's you can correct that you know, I, 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 last year I always felt like, well, man, they're lethargic. There's just no energy. This, you know, this season, you know, some of the slower starts, I felt like, you know, okay, they're just making bad decisions on the ice. They can fix that. And, you know, that just comes with, you know, repetitions and just getting a feel for the new system. And, but there's going to be a point eventually that they got to turn it around. You know, I, I, I keep using the New York Mets as an example, but you know, they, they brought in Lindor and he got off to an ice cold start and everyone's like, well, he stinks. But everyone's like, well, no, eventually he will, you know, correct himself. He never really corrected himself. And that's the only worry I have about this team really going forward. Like, like I told you before, I'm not pressing the panic button, Andy, but there are certain things where it's like, okay, well, if it's not effort, then it's the X's and O's. Are we capable of completing those X's and O's? And, you know, we'll have a big test on Friday because Columbus, you know, is not going to be a pushover. So and, and, and it's definitely a team that we should get two points. from. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is about commitment and belief. And right now, we'll take the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, who are currently playing uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and what everyone's calling the toilet bowl as two teams that have been absolutely uh, just uh subpar this this season. Chicago because they are legit just they don't have the talent and the Leafs because they don't have any buy-in or commitment from their players right now because they're beaten down and they're mentally broken. So I would put the the Rangers in the latter category cuz I mean when they played the Rangers they looked pretty deadly and they are. They have skilled and talented players but a lot of it was to the outside and they were whipping the puck around, and they, which reminds me very much of the Rangers the past few, uh, the past few seasons. But ultimately, I never felt like the Rangers were in too much danger because they just protected the house and they kind of kept it simple. So they won, end up winning that game, and now they're, you know, going to get beat by probably one of the worst teams in the league. Although the game's not over yet, and I believe they're only down a goal. But um, yeah, I think the Rangers can definitely. I think they can. They're committed to. Like I, like I said, I I think it's partially uh, trying to figure out new habits and a new way of doing things, and partial and some of it's a bit commitment and buy. And I think it's realizing I thought I was I knew what it takes or I was doing what it takes, but realizing that it takes a hell of a lot more than that. You know what I mean? It's legit. It's uh, it's sacrifice. It, it's a lot of it is that if I do this, I might not get a secondary assist or get to make the pass or you know, draw it up the, or play it out the way I see it in my head. It's just, it's playing hockey. It's just re- reading and reacting. You know what I mean? But if when everyone does that and everyone buys in, lo and behold, you all get more 
free freedom and creativity. I think that's the beauty of this team is that if they can buy into that, they're very skilled and that should make them better. You know what I mean? And you saw, like I said, Johnny Goudreau last night was still making some heady passes and stuff. And, but he, he was getting on pucks quick too. And he weighs a hundred you know, 60 pounds soaking wet, but him and Kachuk, they're playing a more standard game. And they just, in Majipani, who's like one of, one of the most underrated players in the league right now. And lo and behold, how many, they got plenty of chances. Some were ugly looking, some were a little bit fancier looking, you know, some were shots off the rush. They got a variety, but that was all because everyone was pressuring, giving the Rangers no time to do anything. And it opened things up for them, clearly. Yeah, and you know what's funny? You look at the Rangers' power play, it's just been so, God, mediocre is to say it. You know, we just struggle to keep momentum on the power play. And I really do think if the Rangers kind of played that similar game, like of what they're expected, like heavier on the puck and not treat it like it needs to be a perimeter tic-tac-toe, you know, a highlight real goal, they kind of muck it up and just score like garbage goals in front of the net. You know, that that translates to a little bit of confidence and you keep momentum, you gain momentum. And, you know, too many times, you know, uh, you know, with my job right now, I'm listening on the radio to this. But, you know, okay, Rangers go on the power play and you're like two minutes go by. You're like, wait, did they even like drop the puck? Like what's happening? Like the Rangers haven't done anything. Like I haven't heard like, oh, shot on goal. Like, oh, you know, nothing like. And I really do think that there's more to this system than, you know, that the that the more skilled guys have to buy into. And it's not a sexy system for them. It's not, you know, one of those where, um, you, you know, they, they might not rack up points in the beginning. But, you know, like you said before, if everyone buys in, all that stuff will fall into place. All of it. And then you're going to be better off in the long run and more successful in the playoffs because your game and style of play doesn't really have to alter that much. And, you know, Gallant's, you know, a skilled enough coach where he can make adjustments, you know, round to round, game to game. You know, I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, right now, as a New York Ranger fan, you don't need the panic. But, you know, you do want to see some growth out of this team. You know, we are young, but we're not that young. You know, we, we do have the guys to get this done. It's just a matter of, you know, you have, you know, every single player on the roster pulling in the same direction. And uh, unfortunately, we're not that consistent right now. And that's what's killing. Yeah, well said. I, like I said, I don't know. You can sum it up any better than that. Um, yeah, like you, it will be a, a test for them because Columbus, even though they've, they've been pretty good, they've, they've been a mixed record, but overall they look good. Line A has looked like he's uh determined to prove people wrong he's got a deadly wrist shot and Same but they have a lot right. they have a lot of guys that are workman like and that's what it takes in this league now it's about speed i mean the penguins without all their players have been winning by playing their system to perfection with just keeping the game in front of them and even though they might not have the horses on paper they just puck pursuit puck pursuit puck pursuit and it's working <laughs> you know what i mean that's what it takes to win and I, obviously the teams that are special like who works harder than the Bruins, right? Like I don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen them take a game off because even their top line, they get after it and they they're on it and Marshan, they attack. It's a, it's like even though they have the puck, it's when the Rangers have the puck and they're trying to enter the zone. It's like you almost feel like the other team's attacking them. But when you're 
watch like the Bruins top line, it looks like they're attacking you when they have the puck, you know what I mean? Which is the difference. And sometimes it's something you can't really uh, explain, but when you watch it, it's just, it, it makes all the sense in the world with just the speed and, you know, so, uh, but yeah, like I said, they have, it'll be interesting to see if they can redeem themselves. It's not time to hit the panic button because obviously they still have a pretty good, good record. What they're four, two and one now. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it's early and who knows if you're, I'm hoping here that they, it's all starts kind of clicking and coming together. Cause especially, you know, that with, they have been pretty good, at least defensively outside of the first game and then this last game. That if they can just keep that defensive consistency up in their penalty kill, which has been excellent up, and then finally start uh, scoring some goals on the power play and, and their top six contribute a little bit more, they'll be a good team. So, But again, like I said, we're waiting for things to kind of fall into place in that, on that end. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, again, like I said, I, I trust, I trust Gallant. I trust our players right now. I think, you know, it, it, it's tough. There's a little bit of growing pains. And not to mention, the New York Rangers schedule so far has been a tough one. You know, it's not easy going on the road uh, like this and playing against, you know, you know, four, you know, teams that uh, not going to say that they're tier one, you know, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs, but, you know, Ottawa's a tough beat. Like they're, they're not a bad team. Um, you know, despite the, the start that Canadians have, they're an anno- annoying, pesky team to play against. Like these teams aren't pushovers, you know, we're not playing, you know, the bottom feeders, even though the bottom feeders have been playing well so far uh, this season, but you know the the Rangers had had a tough draw, and you know they went out on the road and they you know did a great job. So you know unless they lose three, you know four in a row here, you know I I can't really fully knock them. I mean obviously you never want to lose hockey games, but you know here we are. We have a kind of a, a week to adjust. We have another game, you know, on home on Friday against the, you know, a Blue Jackets team that's going to be, you know, similar and, and play that pesky, you know, hard nosed hockey that the Rangers again are going to have to, you know, counter. And, you know, I think they'll do it. This week's episode is brought to you by DraftKings. If you're hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, don't worry, because DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests, and they're giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Really simple. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets, if they win, obviously. And if you win, you win the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, official sports betting partner of the NFL, uh, home of daily fantasy sports, and free shots at millions of dollars in total prizes. You must be 21 or older to enter, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Andy, uh, do you want to do you want to get into the, the Blackhawks thing? Because I think I really do think we should mention it. You know, given yeah, you today. know, because as we I record, I don't want to totally ignore it. I, no, of course, it does deserve its probably own. Uh, yeah, 
we'll, we'll say this. Obviously, information, more information comes out every day, and that's uh, thanks to the reporting of people like Rick Westhead and Katie Strang. So, which and probably if they didn't, you know, they weren't on this from the beginning and pushing it hard, it might not have the traction it has today. So, kudos to them. Uh, yeah, and we'll listen. We'll make it succinct because, like I said, there is more information coming out daily. But uh, now we, everyone who's if you're not aware, you know, allegations were made. An anonymous player was suing the Chicago Blackhawks for an incident that happened uh, with, during the 2010 uh, run to the Stanley Cup, where they were sexually assaulted by. It was a player who was sexually assaulted by one of the equipment managers. Uh, tonight, that player on live television uh, revealed himself to be former first rounder for the Chicago Blackhawks, Kyle Beach, and uh, the report, the independent report. That was an investigation that was handled by an outside uh, uh, firm. Posted their findings yesterday, which basically implicated, which corroborated his claims and his stories, and implicated a bunch of people, including Stan Bowman, uh, John McDonough, who Bowman at the time was new. At the time, was the newly appointed GM. John McDonough was the uh, president of the or- of the Blackhawks, and then you know obviously the uh, equipment manager Brad Aldridge in question. And so yeah, and obviously now we're the the league and the Blackhawks, and uh, everyone is seeing the fallout of this. Uh, Bowman is out; he leaves. Um, you know, uh, I think the Wurtz brothers were weren't made aware of it, uh, so they nothing happened to them. But yeah, this is, listen, it, this is an uh, unacceptable and ugly situation. We're still dealing, like I said, we're still dealing with the fallout right now. There are still a lot of questions to be answered about and uh, people to account for their involvement in this who have not, it has not yet come to light between, we're not sure which players were made aware. Um, we don't know, I'm not sure if Jonathan Taze was aware. Joel Quenneville, uh, it turns out, ended up, uh, you know, saying he had no knowledge of this, but then it's come out that he did. So, you know, whether or not it's a lie or he, he didn't remember or whatever. But right now, the fact that he is being the NHL is allowing him and the, and I'll say the Panthers for that matter, allowing him to coach this game is kind of part of the problem. Because, it, again, I think why things like this can happen is because you, you put this thing of, oh, competitiveness overall over the well-being and doing the right thing for someone who was, you know, uh, a victim here. So, listen, like I said, this is a very complicated and sensitive and uh, ever-evolving story. So I'm just going to leave it at this, you know. Uh, I applaud Kyle Beach for his courage in coming out and revealing himself because this has clearly been a very traumatic uh incident for him and it's just the fallout for this um has basically ruined his life in a lot of ways because if you remember he was the rumors there was rumors swirling about him and that he was a head case and he was a malcontent and he had character issues and all this stuff but this clearly puts a different light and spin on it of what he was dealing with with basically being put gaslit by his own organization who ends up uh are now being sued because not only did they quietly let the guy go who who committed this uh, you know who sexually assaulted him they wrote him a recommendation to go work elsewhere and he ended up sexually assaulting another a minor who even younger than beach on a you know there so 
you know, so they're so like I said, it's ever evolving, ugly situation. I applaud uh, Kyle Beach for his courage. Uh, I applaud Rick Westhead, Katie Strang, and anyone else who did some in-depth reporting to help this come to light. I, you know, and it just it's a mark, it's a black mark on hockey, man. And it just doesn't make you feel good about a game that should be, you know, just uh, yeah, just a game that should be about you know camaraderie and trust and family and and fun and all those things. It's just antithetical to that and these dumb notions of you know we have to sacrifice or we can't. Not or no distractions or whatever you have to sacrifice your own uh, feelings or your own situation or comfort for the greater good. Yeah, it's bullshit, and it's not. That's not what hockey's about. So fuck, fuck that noise. But again, uh, I'm sure there's more that's going to come out from this. So we'll leave it at that for now. We'll, just, we'll save the rest of the conversation for when ever all the rest of the facts are out. And we can talk about them. But uh, yeah, again, uh, kudos to Kyle Beach for. Strength and coming out, and I guess we'll see how this uh, plays out. Yeah, and you know, the, the the good thing about the hockey community is that although there are a you know a few bad apples that you know certainly spoil a bunch, it seems this you know you know, and especially in this situation, you know, the, the hockey community is really you know they always come out and support you know, of a player like Beach, you know, it, it, there's, you know, overwhelming love and, and support and, you know, uh, uh, you know, and the community is really applauding him for doing this. And, you know, I, obviously this is a stain on the Blackhawks organization, the NHL and, the, you know, the people involved. It's just, it, it's, it's amazing that, you know, in, in this, you know, to, to 2010 does feel like a long time ago. But it's really not, and it's just, it still just amazes me that, like, it's just frustrating, because is it really, like, that difficult to do the right thing? Like, like, you know, for me, it's just, it's mind-numbing to think that, you know, people in the Blackhawks organization, you know, even if you were told to, like, shut up and zip it, like, you're, do you really think if you came out and told and ratted and say you lost your job you know the dividends that that would pay you going forward and just the karma and support you'd get would be tenfold and the fact that like we still in today's age have to cover up things of sexual assault and you saw the emails you know in the nfl and granted that's a completely different story with different circumstances but you see how you know this is, you know, listen, I understand there's money involved. You want to win championships. You have organizations, you know, you have expectations that you got to live up to and your, your job may depend on it, but let's, let's not pretend that this isn't, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, no, not a Ferris wheel. What's the thing that goes around like a merry-go-round, you know, like you lose a job, you get a job, you revolve around the NHL. Like, these people could step up, do the right thing, and you know eventually if you get slammed for it now doing the right thing, you'll eventually find yourself again hired in this in this league. It's just it's amazing that and, people and, just come out with yeah. a stupid excuse that like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I just got the GM job, so I didn't really want to, you know, press the buttons. It's like bullshit. Like bullshit. No, and and that's the thing, right? Because now that you have to look at it's that 2010 cup. It's kind of it's tainted with that actions, and it just you know you 
it's horrible for Kyle Beach. It's horrible probably for players who, the ones who in earnest didn't know, obviously not nowhere near as horrible as it was for Kyle Beach. I'm not equating those two things at all, but I'm just saying it just tarnishes everything. It's just a black spot on that organization. And the league. And the league. And, you know, listen, I don't know why, again, I'm not, they're on my shit list too. I don't know why they're allowing Quentinville to coach right now. This is so stupid, especially if you're going to talk to him tomorrow in New York for his involvement, which has clearly come out with this, you know, so whatever. But again, in in light of this news, in light of the the news about Jimmy Hayes and you know what led to his um, his you know unexpected passing, in it, it's just a, a lot of this stuff leaks you know, or excuse me, uh, lurks beneath the surface and we're not made aware of it or we think it's not as much of a problem as it is or it's not here or there. But, you know, these are the kind of attitudes that allow it to to happen or almost, you know, forces it to happen behind the scenes because a lot of it doesn't want to be acknowledged or brought to light. So, you know, let let this be yet another, yeah, let this be another lesson to hopefully the league and that, you know, you have to, you know, and... It's listen. It's it's such a dumb thing to say, but it is never too late to do the right thing. And uh, like I said, there was people back then that tried to do the right thing, you know, and reported up the flagpole. And but you know, and there's like there's just more people that overruled it or shut it down or didn't want it. It's just yeah. It's 2010 though. Like Twitter was around. Like social media was around. Like it's that's to me. It's excuse up the flagpole. Yeah, if this was 1972, yeah, I could see it getting shut down. But not today. Not with how social media is, not how, you know, you know, I shouldn't say craze, but like you know, we are quick to jump on these things. Like like it, there there's not like you said, like there's there's not a bad time to do this. Like there's never a bad time. Like even okay, it gets shut down in in 2010. All right, do it after the season, right? It's like, wh- when wh- when were you going to do the right thing? Like, and that that's the frustrating part. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, for me, it's just like it's just I'm so sick. And, it's every facet of life. You know, it's it's in everything. And not to make this like you know more broader and and kind of steer away from sports, but it's like you know er- everywhere you go, you know, it, it's just you feel like you know you question the decision making by people and you know i just i just really hope that you know there's a complete transparency on who knew what and what and who did what and you pay the ultimate price you know you're adults you're not children this is you know the nhl you should be you know setting the benchmark you know not you know not having you know one of the more you know prior to knowing this, one of the more spectacular runs any organization has had in this league. And now you just put, you know, a, a huge, you know, black stain on it. And it's just, it's a joke. That, I mean, that's all I really have for it. Yeah. And so, like I said, we will talk about this one more. Uh, we have more information. We'll leave it at that for right now. Just applauding Kyle Beach for his courage and coming out and, and anyone else who might uh, have dealt with sexual or is dealing with sexual assault you know you just hope that they can see this and have the courage to come out and make their stories known and so hopefully they can get the justice and vindication they deserve so uh we'll go back to hockey related news ovechkin uh not stopping 
He's got, what, eight goals in six games or something like that? We're in trouble, Andy. We are in trouble. Uh, yeah. No, they I mean, I want to see him. I want to see him at least get in Stone's throw of Gretzky's record. I mean, that would, it, what amazing. This guy is, he's an animal. He's an absolute animal. He's 36 years old. Uh, and he, you know, he's still, thro- you, you saw that, uh, there's that fan cam of him absolutely crushing. Uh, I forget what team they were playing. Someone Columbus, maybe just on the boards. The guys, the guy's a freak of nature. I love it though, and it's just great. You know, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. I had mentioned Mangiapane is a real story this season, um, with just the score. You know, the goal scoring pace he's been on. He's definitely one of, uh, you know, maybe outside of Lindholm, he might be. Calgary's second best player, potentially maybe potentially their best player. I don't know. He it, he was he was everywhere last night, and he was getting in on, and he plays such a gritty two way game that it's just. But he's so effective, you know, almost like a less skilled but more pest like Braden Point. He's just uh, hard nosed, and he's not a big guy too, which is all the more impressive. He just he just gets after it, which you know, obviously, I would love a player like that on the Rangers right now because. They have the guys that they have like that. Unfortunately, don't have a lot of skill, like Rooney or uh, Dryden Hunt, who that they have you know have lots of hustle, but they ultimately don't have the skills to like to be deadly with it. Whereas he's got he's the full package, so he impressed the hell out of me. So you know, even silver lining, I guess, in in a Rangers loss that you can appreciate just how good some of these guys around the league are, and especially when they they are just they're on their games or feeling at the top of their games. Whereas right now, it doesn't feel like. Uh, much of the rangers are so but uh hey at least they get kako back hopefully he doesn't look you know like he's missed any time um yeah james any any thoughts on uh well well, here's a question for you where do you now that when kako comes back do you think he goes back on a line with strom do you think lafreniere is going to stay up with mika or would you keep the lines the same would you jumble them up because clearly things aren't working what would you how would you handle that yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, for me, listen, I would go back to the lineup you had consistently with, um, you know, I, I'd keep the bottom six the same. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm flipping, you know, Kako right now. I, I would I would stick Kako on the second line. And if you get off to another slow first period, maybe switch switch it up with, with the top six. I'd leave the top six as the top six right now because the, the bottom six right now are, are, are playing, you know, tremendous hockey. And, you know, uh, they're going to need to keep that up. And hopefully they, you know, keep feeling themselves and keep playing physical and, you know, getting pucks to the net and kind of playing that, you know, muck it up hockey. And so that's what I would do. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I know if with Kako being back, I, I really don't know. You know, are they going to be limiting his minutes at all? I, I don't know. So, again, I would leave it the way it was prior. But if you have a slow start to the period, the first period, I change it immediately and just and and and, and play with it. So yeah, it, I you know at this point, I think we know that Lafreniere had some good chemistry with Blay and Heedle, and I think that's mostly because, um, yeah, I think that's primarily because, like on that line, it forces Lafreniere to he doesn't defer as much like he does when he plays with Kreider and Miko. He's like, oh, I have to get open or. I have to let them because they're the vets do do the heavy lifting, you know, or or break break the puck out, or whatever. Whereas he's a little bit more willing to take charge on that line, and he clearly looks better on it. You know, there's a little bit more give and goes, and 
you know, making the pass or breaking the puck out himself or skating it in himself. Um, so yeah, I would honestly, I'd keep Lafreniere on that third line with Blay and Heedle. I'd have a second line of Strom. Uh, I thought Goudreau actually looked good uh, with both Mika at times and even Panarin. So, you know, I know they want to do, I'd be interested. Well, I'm interested why they've never really tried Kako with Zabanajad and Kreider. Like, why not? Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, I, no, I, I, I think it's I one of the things you've it. never, like, I don't know, maybe they try and practice. They don't like it or there's some, but like, it just seems like it might be a good fit, especially for, because Panarin is a guy who wants to have the puck, right? He's a puck possession heavy player. And him and Strom have their little give and goes where Kako is like a solo, like grinded out possession guy. So I think you don't want two guys that want the puck on their stick to rag it like those those two do. Why not split them up? Why not put Kako in the top line with Zabanajad? Especially because, you know, I think, I don't know. I just think they, I haven't really seen it. I can't recall seeing him ever play with Zabanajad. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Kako and Zabanajad on the same ice, maybe on a power play in his rookie year, but. I don't yeah, think I've ever seen them on the ice it. together. <laughs> like, oh, actually, that's not true. I had the game where Mika scored his five goals against Washington uh, two seasons ago was off of a uh, a slap shot. One, you know, the fourth goal was off of a slap shot in the corner from Kakos. But that's the only time I could honestly remember, like, recall them being on the ice together. So, you know, I th- I think it's worth a try. I would like to see that. So we'll see. Yeah. No. I listen. The, the beautiful thing about our lineup right now is that we have a lot of guys that you can be confident plugging anywhere. And, you know, that you got to give Drury credit. And, you know, I, I really like the players that we have on hand. And when we're all healthy, we really should be able to, you know, have that next man up mentality. And I know you want to find chemistry and, and alter the lines and that, you know, every team does that, right? You, there's, not a, there's not many lines in the NHL that you could say, play consistently together all year long it's just with injuries and you know just uh you know you know things get stale uh you want to you know freshen things up you 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 switch it around so you know i'm very curious to see what he does uh for columbus but in my eyes i I feel like it's a little too soon and i don't want to press the panic button because you know we got blown out by the you know the calgary flames I, i really want those guys playing top six minutes and I want them to click and feel themselves and finally get a rhythm because I think once those guys get going it really takes a lot of pressure off the bottom stick they can concentrate on playing a simpler game physical game uh and and you know you'll be surprised how much they'll they'll be able to produce uh when the pressure is taken off so you know right now you're just looking for all cylinders to click and you know uh you know I don't really have you know much else to say other than you know you have till friday to figure it out and uh you better get two points because uh you gotta beat the columbus blue jackets and you gotta get a win at home you know the, the fans deserve it thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at broadway boys pod and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or the hockey podcast network.com You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.